Hello and welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. So it's been a little while since we caught up. Things have been crazy busy in my world, which is really exciting stuff. 2022 has had a bit of a bumpy beginning with like being really busy and then things falling off again and getting quiet as people kind of go like, is there going to be a recession or not? And then I don't know, just feels like people have gone, ah, sod it. Let's, we've got to crack on and do business anyway. And so things have been, things just got really, really crazy again. And this is the thing. Sometimes when we become so focused on business, we end up letting personal things fall by the wayside. And for me, when it comes to the personal stuff, when it comes to the the things I do for me that affect nobody else and for no one else's benefit, well, other than you, maybe if you're listening, um, it's definitely the podcast. That's the thing that always ends up falling to the bottom of the list. But I'm back with a renewed focus that oh, there's been so much going on. So the events I've been to and the people I've hung out with and that kind of stuff, I've got some really cool guests lined up. I mean, oh my days, there are, there's people I'm trying to get in the diary right now that have agreed to come on the podcast that, well, if you follow me on social media, you'll have seen already one of those people that have um, promised to come on for episode 200. I know I'm a little bit way off yet, but we can, we can plan, we can plan. But yeah, like I said, it's, I've been hanging out with really cool people. And this is the thing, and I'm sure I've talked about this before in the podcast. If you surround yourself with good people, people that share the same values as you, people that come from a place of giving, only good stuff can come of that. You know, a little bit of it rubs off on you. You're then doing good stuff for other people. Everyone's winning. Because when you do good stuff, it always comes up. Like the more good you can put out there into the universe, the more comes back to you. And we all know I'm not a woo-woo kind of person, but you know, when you're actively doing it, when you're actively putting good vibes out into the world, and then you're reaping the benefits of those, it's hard to dispute. Anyway, I am digressing. One of the things that I've been working on at the minute is, you know, for years and years and years, we've had this 10-point checklist that we use for looking at websites, basically, trying to decide, like, is this a website that is, you know, is it working from a marketing perspective? Does it pass the marketing test? And I just thought, you know, I'm going to do an episode around the 10-point checklist. I spend so much time on the podcast celebrating other people, talking about the amazing things that people do and, like, trying to learn from them. And I really... I really don't share enough of what I get up to and where my sort of area of genius is. And I wish I could say this is something that I've figured out on my own, that I've had this realisation. But people keep telling me I need to I need to be a little harder with the world when I tell you all how awesome I am and um, and basically prove my expertise. So, yeah, so let's talk websites. Okay, if you're listening to this, you may well have a business uh, or you're an employee probably of a business. And, you know, what happens when people start in business, things are starting on a shoestring. When it comes to your website, you might have produced a website on your own. You might not have produced a website at all. And you're kind of waiting to get a point in business where you can afford to have one created. I think a lot of people think that a website's going to be a really expensive investment. It's something that's going to cost thousands and thousands and thousands and th- you know, tens of thousands of pounds. And the reality is that just isn't the case. Now, if you want something that's all singing, all 
dancing that it's got lots of integration. So what I mean by that is you've got, maybe you've got like three or four different software systems. You need your website to talk to all of them and information passed backwards and forwards. If you're look, you know, if you've got like 346 e-commerce products that need to go on your website and they all, they've all got different delivery options, personalization options, then yes, in that situation, it's going to cost you tens of thousands of pounds to get a decent website together. However, for most businesses, when they're starting, they just need something that is going to help them get found on Google. They need something that is going to reassure their prospects when their prospects are researching them and deciding, you know, is you know, is this person legit? Is this business a business that I should be giving my, my money to? But it should also be a place where we generate leads. And this is the important bit. When you invest in your website, don't you know you can just think of it as a shop front there are places there are there are situations where a website just being an online version an online shop front is fine but i would argue even then that website should be doing something to contribute to your lead generation in your business so like i said there's 10 things i look for in a website and 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 those these are the reasons why so number one, when I land on a website, I'm looking for there to be a call to action. What I want is not something that's like a contact us. I want something that is kind of like, here's this service and here's a button to find out more. When I land on that website, I want that website to tell me, that it, the website should take me on a journey and it takes me on a journey by telling me what to do next, what to click next, what to pay attention to next. And the thing is, the more clicks I make through that website, the the messages are going back to Google through Google Analytics. Google's noticing the way I'm engaging with that site. And so it's improving the authority of that website. But it's also, you know, I'm built like with every click, I'm building trust with that brand. Now, don't get me wrong, too many clicks and I'm going to fall away without buying anything or without leaving my details, whatever it might be. So it is a fine balance. But like I said, number one, we've got to make sure that call to action is there. And the call to action should be what's the next log- logical step on that website. I said, if if you've just got like contact us, what we're encouraging people to do is come to our website what we're encouraging people to do is come to the website and immediately leave. But we don't want them to do that. We want them to land on the website, engage, and then maybe, like I said, you know, fill in a form or something like that, but engage with the content, not just go, oh, that's the phone number, ring, leave the site. No, 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 no. So number one, call to action. Number two, when I'm reading the content on the website, I need to feel like I'm being spoken to as an individual. A lot of people, when they write content, and, and you know, we do this in video as well, you're kind of thinking that you're speaking to hundreds, thousands, millions of people. So the way that you write, the way that you speak in that type of content, that's what you're doing. Well, actually, when you're the recipient of the, that communication, it's not very personal. So if you look at the language of your website, if you're talking about yourself, like, you know, we do this and our service is, and when you trust us, like that's, that's you talking about you. Nobody likes someone that talks about themselves. Okay. If we can switch it, if we can change the language around. So we're using things like, um, you and your, you, your, and your, then actually when I'm reading that, I feel like the person that wrote that website are talking to me as an individual. 
because that content feels more personal to me, I take the information on board more. Okay. I take it more seriously. So read, like I say, read, think, how can you make the content? How can you make the text on your website? Just feel more personal. You don't know who it is that's going to be on the site. So we can't personalize it and use names and that kind of stuff. Um, that's not quite true, but for the purposes of this article, like I said, we, we, we're going to assume that we can't do that kind of personalization. So like I said, you just got to try and find ways of making it personal. Now, number three on the website is all about giving people a reason to come back to the site on a regular basis. And that's just having a news or a blog page. Now I talk about blogs a lot. Think about blog as functionality. Okay. It's a piece of content. It's something on your website, a functionality on your website where you can upload fresh content as often as you like. Now, ideally I'd say every couple of weeks. And if we, if we are going to think about it as words like minimum 800, yeah, I mean, minimum 800 words every couple of weeks is a good, a good cadence and, you know, a, a good sort of regularity of upload. Google, thank you for it. It's often enough that, you know, people are not going to come back to your site every single day to find something new, but it's often enough that when people are returning, there's, there is going to be something fresh there for them to look at. And of course it gives you something to share on social media that's driving people back to your website. And your website is where you're essentially going to make those conversions, where you're, you know, people are going to make the inquiries and so where you're going to generate the leads. So like I said, having that blog there, it's, it's just invaluable. And I said, whether you call it blog or news or insights or the larder or whatever it might be, it really doesn't matter. It's about having the functionality there and using it. So sometimes I see websites, especially when I'm doing these assessments, I'll see a website and it's got a blog and I think brilliant, but then I land on it. And this actually happened last week. I was on a call screen sharing the client. I was like, have you got a blog? Let's have a look. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I have, I have really confident. I was like, brilliant. She's got a blog. Fantastic. And I clicked on it and we started looking at the articles and she was like, oh, didn't realize how was it since I, how long it was since I, oh, I didn't realize how long it'd been since I last uploaded an article. It was like six months ago. In fact, I've just realized the dates, what date it is now, what month I'm in now. Um, it was last year. It was, it was, you know, it's due, it's the 14th of June, 2022 that I'm recording this episode. Well, the, all the blogs were dated 2021. So that pride that she'd got a blog just kind of disappeared when she realized how just how long it had been since she'd put something fresh on it. Um, but that's fine because we're going to fix that. She's going to work with me now. We're going to fix that. So that was number three on my checklist. Number four is making sure, you know, I've talked about generating leads. Number four is making sure that there is some sort of lead generation data capture thing going on on the website. So is there some sort of, you know, ebooks are a bit old hat. So I don't want to call it an ebook, but, you know, it could be a blueprint or a guide or it could be a poster. It could be um, there's a form I have to fill in. Then I'm going to receive a video series from you. It might be that you've got a quiz. I've been playing with quiz software this morning. That's exciting. But, you know, whatever it might be, it might be you've got some sort of lead generation thing on your website where actually I'm filling in this form so that I can access something so that I can book a call with you. 
Okay, so like there's so many, many things it could be. It could be a webinar. It could be a could be a face to face. It could be pre-registering for a free chapter on the book that you're planning to release later in the year. Like there's so many things that that it could be. But the point is, it's high value. And if I want access to it, I'm going to have to fill in your form. And your form is probably going to ask me for my first name, my last name, my email address and my phone number. Okay, now... If you if you've read anything I've written, I'd say before January 2022, or you heard me speaking before then, and I was talking about data capture, I would have said first name, last name, email address, and stopped there. But things have changed. I think people are, you know, they're wise to the purpose. They they know that you're. I'm. I want this goodie. I'm going to have to pay in my data, and you know the way the world has gone now, people just know. Well, I'm. You know. They expect that phone call. Let's face it, you expect the phone call. So like I said, it now we can ask first name, last name, email address and phone number and be really comfortable with that. If you are going to do that, then little hot tip, if you like, is to make sure you've got something in place where you can do SMS marketing as well. So whether you're looking at something like, um, let's say, Active Campaign, so it's a bit like an email marketing software come CRM, but that you can build nurture sequences in that. So let's say I've downloaded your um, poster today. You're going to email me today with a, a digital copy of the poster. Maybe tomorrow you're going to email me again with um, an extra tip that wasn't in the initial um, ebook, whatever. Then the next day, maybe I'm going to get a text with a link in it that's inviting me to book a call to talk about whatever the subject was of that download. The great thing about this is when we're able to go multimedia, the the checkpoints, the contact points become more powerful. As soon as we're able to contact people across different mediums, that's when results really, really fly in. When we're just creating all these touch points and it's all email, 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 email. I mean, to my mind, it takes like two, three times as long to get the response we want. But if it's like email, email, SMS, something in the post, another email, like when we're mixing, you know, social, when we're mixing all this stuff up, we become more noticeable because that communication is being received in different ways. You know, and if you can bring print into it as well, you've got tangibility there. That's even more exciting. But I digress. Let's go on to number five on the checklist. So number five is about there being social sharing tools. So this is, we've talked about the blog, we've talked about the lead gen stuff. Sometimes you see something, you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I want to share it on Facebook. Well, if there's a little button there that you can hit, that's going to open a little pop-up that where you create your Facebook post and you can share it there. Without, I mean, you do leave the site, but without really leaving the site, that's convenient. People love a little bit of convenience, don't they? So social sharing, don't have it on every single page of your site and next to every bit of text. Have it on, like I say, your high value pieces of content. So have it on your blog, um, your, your blog articles and, you know, your downloads, that kind of stuff, the, these assets have it on those. If you're a recruiter, you want social sharing on your vacancies. If you're an e-commerce brand, you want social sharing against your products, but you don't need it on your about page. And obviously in line with that, you know, of course, number six on the checklist is making sure you've got social media links on your website. Now I would always say, put your social media icons in the header of your website. They're front and present. They're, they're there. People tend to click 
from social to a website. It's not often that they click from a website to social. And when they do, they tend to go and come back again quite quickly. And the other thing with this as well is, you know, if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, right, I'm just going to bring up my website and check, have I got this? Okay. If you're on a desktop, actually with the mobile device as well, when you click the LinkedIn icon or the Facebook icon on your website, make sure it opens in a new tab. That way, if people want to access that site, access that platform, they can do, but they're not leaving your website. So even if they then check the page on Facebook, give it a follow, but then get distracted over there, you're still o- your website's still open. When they then come to close it down, it's like, oh yeah, that's what I was looking at. And and you've probably done it on other things yourself. You've been looking at one, you've been looking at one website, clicked on something that took you into YouTube, let's say. And then when you go back and you see that website still open on your screen, you go, oh yeah, right. Let me pick up where I was. So like I said, think about having you make sure your social media links are there on your site. They're prominent. Don't hide them away at the bottom in the, in the footer, have them nice and prominent in the header. Make sure that if someone clicks on it, it opens in a fresh tab. And also please, for the love of God, make sure it goes to the right place. You would be amazed how often I click on something and it just, it's like going over. I had one site where when you clicked on it, it actually went to the social media channels of the web developer. Um, so that was crazy. So like I said, social media links. Next thing, number seven on the checklist is like, duh, make sure it's mobile friendly. I think it's quite hard these days to have a website that isn't mobile friendly, but still check it. And what you're really checking for, you know, if you're listening to this and your phone's in your hand, Chrome, Safari, whatever it is you use to access the the internet, go there now, type in your domain, go to your website, scroll up, scroll down, click on a call to action, let it load click on the menu, select something from the menu, let it, like, is it easy to do all this? And I tell you what, you'll be doing all of this with your thumb. Make sure not only is your site mobile friendly, but make sure it's thumb friendly as well. Okay. If you've just, as I was talking you through that, then if you were doing it and you're finding it really awkward and you're having to stretch for, you know, it's like, that's not a mobile friendly site. Google's going to look at it and go, yeah, it fits on a mobile screen. And we can see there's certain things there within the coding of the website. That means it's mobile friendly, brilliant tick. But we've all, you know, you've heard me talk about human SEO before. Okay. We've got you know, the the usual SEO where we're thinking about Google and the Google spiders and the robots and all that kind of thing. But think about the real life humans that got to use your stuff too. Okay. Think human SEO. How are we making sure it actually works for them? How is it easy to use? How is it seamless? How is it logical? Because the more we get that bit right, people will come back to your site because it's easier to use than the other options. You know, people come back to your site because the content's better than other people, but it'll, they'll come back because it's much easier to order off your site than it is off someone else's site. It's much easier to do that search on your site than it is on someone else's site. So think about that mobile friendly nature. And if you know your ideal client is someone that's going to be constantly on their phone and therefore accessing your site on the phone, all of this stuff, you've got to make sure it works on mobile. You've got to think mobile first. I actually like even saying that makes me feel like I'm telling you old news by saying think mobile first. It's such a such an obvious thing these days. 
Okay, number eight is having a visible tele telephone number. So people will Google you and not pay attention to your Google listing that has the number in any way. They'll click through to your website to ring you from there. So again, on mobile, is it click to call? If I if I'm on your website, my mobile, if I if I tap on your phone number, does my phone then ask me if I want to ring you? The answer should be yes. So have a look at that. And like I said, make it easy for people to find the number again, ahead of your site or somewhere on the site. Just make sure it's prominent. You know, if you ever tried to get someone's contact details and it's really hard, you just get frustrated with them. You know, you, you haven't got positive feelings towards these brands now. You're like, for why is it so hard? And then when you're talking to them, like the conversation starts off on a negative note because you've got this negative mindset because you couldn't find the bloody number. Or is that just me? I don't know. Okay. Number nine on the checklist is have some testimonials on your website. So like we have a specific page on ours. So we keep that every time we get new, um, whether it's a Google review or a LinkedIn recommendation, whatever it might be, we make sure that goes on the website on the testimonials page. You don't have to have a specific page. It could be that you've got testimonials sort of you know, drip through various pages on your site where it's relevant. I know like some of the recruitment websites we do, they'll have a page for their clients, they'll have a page for the candidates and they make sure they've got the most relevant testimonials on each of those pages. They might have others on their homepage. So they're all the way through. So like I said, whichever way you're going to do it, that's absolutely fine. One of the things that I would say though, is if you can have like one page where they're all there, People are probably not going to look at that page very much. But when you are pitching to people, when they're saying, well, you know, who are your clients? Who can I talk to? I think it's really, really powerful when you're able to say, well, here, have a look at this page. Feel free to contact any of these people on this list. And if they're real life testimonials where you're able to, you know, link them back to LinkedIn, for example, and say, right, it's it's this person at this business. I can introduce you or you can reach out to them direct via LinkedIn. That's really powerful. Rather than me saying to you, you can talk to this person or this person, actually going, well, these are all here. Who would, you know, who would you like to talk to? Have a look through. I think that's really powerful. Okay. Number 10 on my checklist is about there being a variety of media on your website. Now, I keep thinking about taking this one out. Okay. So let me explain what I mean by variety of media. Some websites you get onto and they are so text heavy. We need to be using visuals to help communicate the message, communicate the message of the brand, the values of the brand, the vision of the brand, the mission of the brand, the, the brand. All of that can be communicated through visuals. Now we can just use static visuals. We can, you know, photos, for, you know, everyday speak, we could just have photos on your website, whether there's photos that you've taken yourself or had taken as part of a shoot, or, you know, if you have to go down the stock photo route, it's not the end of the world, but yeah, anything that is your photography is, is going to be better, of course. But I said, the more visual your site is actually, the easier it is for people to engage with the content that's there if it's easier, the more it's going to be easier for them to retain the information that they consume from your website as well. So let's really think about that. How can we space out text on the website using visuals? How can we use video on our website? Now, 
using video, you, you've got to be careful. You've got to use video in the right way. You don't want like, you know, I don't want an hours long video, like a, you know, an hours webinar uploaded to the website because it's, it's just going to slow the website down. It's like way too long. Depending on, you know, who's built your website, what it's built in, you can embed um, YouTube videos, that kind of stuff, or Vimeo. So you, you can go down that route. So it's, you know, it's less heavy on the website in terms of loading times and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, how long we're waiting for that page to load. Yeah, it's a better, better, better way to go having though, having that. It's a better way to go having your Vimeo, your YouTube videos embedded for sure. So think about that. The other thing you can do is look at um, audio players. So there was a bit of a trend on this, I want to say back in probably about, probably about 2015. Yeah, I think about 20, 2014, 2015 maybe. So this is when, you know, podcast was popular the first time round, right? So you'd see a lot of people with blogs on though. In fact, we used to do it. So the, the blogs are on our website. We do an audio recording of those blogs. And then that audio file would be, again, embedded from, I think it was Podbean that we used at the time. So the, where we hosted the podcast, there'd be like a little embed, a little iframe, basically a bit of bit of code you could put onto the web page. But what it looked like was a little audio player. So again, we've got a different media again. So just think about that. How can you make your website more interesting through the use of imagery, video, audio, but also think about the accessibility point on that as well. Okay. So like, there's lots of things you can do from an accessibility perspective and an include, like from a point of inclusion on your website. But like I said, just think about the media. Like, is there something you're missing there? But don't go crazy with it, because if you go crazy with it, you're going to have all this stuff on your website and it's like it's too much stuff. It's just going to slow it down. So there you go. That's the 10 things I look at when I'm looking at a website. And, you know, if the website's scoring three out of 10, we probably need to, to talk. If your website's scoring like an eight or a nine out of 10, then you're doing well. If you're scoring high on high on this, then just keep you know, just make sure you're checking in on your website, making sure everything's working. Every six months, use your website like you're a prospect. And is, is there something that's now a bit clunky, a bit dated, something needs a, you know, something needs a refresh and work on it that way. Your website is like a living, breathing beast. We need to, you know, look after it, love it, feed it, grow it, nurture it, make sure you're doing that. So just before I wrap up, let me run through these 10 things and then, you know, reach out to me. Tell me what your score out of 10 was. So number one, is there a call to action? Number two, are you using customer focused language? So you and your rather than we and me and us. Number three, have you got a, a news or a blog page? Number four, make sure there's a way of capturing data other than a contact form. So some like lead generation strategies there. Number five is having social sharing tools. Number six is having social media links. Number seven is making sure your website is mobile and thumb friendly. Number eight is ensuring that there's a visible telephone number and even better if it's click to call. Number nine is about your testimonials being on your site in a very usable way. And number 10 is about you considering the variety of media you have on your site. 
that's my 10 point checklist. Any website I'm looking at, they're the 10 things I'm looking for so that I know that website is set up for marketing purposes to do the job it's supposed to do, to bring you leads, to make you money, to help you achieve all the things you want to achieve. 